I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome to a special festive edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. I'm Melissa Mabbitt and I'm a journalist on The Garden, the members magazine for the RHS. In today's podcast, we'll be talking to Wisley curator and houseplant devotee Matthew Pottage to get a sneak preview of the giant houseplant takeover, which will be filling the glass house at Wisley with exotic and tropical splendour from late January to March. And true to the spirit of the season of goodwill, we'll be paying a visit to Thrive, which is an inspirational gardening charity that is passionate about sharing the benefits of gardening with people affected by physical and mental disabilities. But first, have I mentioned it's nearly Christmas? For many garden lovers, including staff here in the office in Peterborough, Christmas is a fabulous opportunity to bring some of the fruits of the garden inside the house. As homegrown food, wreaths, table decorations, or homemade stuff from the garden, it's all very exciting and creative. Over a coffee and a mince pie, I asked some of my colleagues how they'll be bringing a bit of homegrown creativity to the celebrations this Christmas. I'm Chris Young, editor of The Garden magazine. For so many of us, Christmas is about holly, and I'll certainly be welcoming holly into my gardening world and my home world, but it's not quite the sprig of holly in the hall or above the fireplace. Actually, I'm going to be planting a holly hedge and doing things properly. I'm Gareth Richards. I'm Features Editor on the website. I'm going to be bringing ivy in from the allotment. So I've let some ivy grow up the side of the shed and into the hedge, and once ivy gets up into something its growth habit changes it becomes what's called arborescent so you get this nice shrubby growth and it flowers great for wildlife lovely berries and obviously beautiful glossy evergreen leaves so i'm going to be trimming a bit of that bringing that in and putting it above the fireplace so i think i've got the right person to talk to you here because haven't you gone kind of crazy with your christmas decorations from the garden or have i got that wrong well no i cheat i tend to use a lot of plastic flowers um, or fake flowers but I I treat well I treat them like Christmas decorations so I have big vases Mm. of stuff so there might be gold-leaved holly and I've got these golden 
plastic Fasalis things that I use. So I do that. I'm a bit lazy. If I was a bit more, had a bit more time, I probably would do more from the garden. I usually do bring in some holly yeah, from the garden. It's got to be done, hasn't it's it? Got to be holly done. and ivy. If you, you can get really thin filament lights now, which you, if you perfect. wind it around, yeah. they just you can't see the wires very much, and you just get the lovely like twinkly haze, effect. Yeah. yeah, it's really really good. Well, most years I bring quite a bit from the garden, oh, and you? I do a wreath. Although I feel like this year I've reached peak wreath because right. I feel like everybody in the world did a wreath making workshop or is doing a wreath making yeah. workshop at the moment, and they're great. But I might not do one this year because I sort of I'm like I'm all wreathed out. Yeah. But I have brought in some seed heads, dried seed heads, things like um, opium poppies and things like that, and just you know the skeletons in a vase inside is it's quite nice. Not necessarily that Christmassy, it just looks nice really. The biggest thing I've ever done was I cut a big apple tree branch and then I spray painted it copper and hung it suspended it from the ceiling oh, and wow. then hung baubles off it and put filament lights on it as well that was like an all out i mean well, yeah well. it was good it was good it was maybe a bit much i would okay. say but it was quite impressive like we don't normally have christmas at home we normally go to relatives but that year we were doing it at home so i went big and it took up kind of the whole dining room so i probably wouldn't do it again right. but it was good it was good the other material i use from i just use moss from the lawn oh yeah so i'll scarify the lawn and collect that moss up and then i use that because quite often i buy prepared bulbs so i might have hyacinths or mm. i might have paper whites oh, yeah, or bridal crown which yeah. i actually prefer yeah um, can't beat those and I just pack the moss around the top of those plant pots because it just looks so much prettier. It's just natural. It's and a it's, nice natural yeah, decoration, it's, isn't it? It's out of the lawn, yeah. so it would just be chucked out anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. not quite as nice as the sphagnum moss, but that we know that you shouldn't really be using that. So, yeah, uh, yeah the stuff out of the lawn works just as well, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't overdo the Christmas decorations from yeah. the garden, but... Yeah, it's nice to have something. I, I think in the past I've always gone down the kind of roll, road of spray painting things from the garden. Yeah. But I'm going to do that less because I think actually I'm not, not that comfortable with whether that's good for the environment or not. So I've gone for more kind of bare stems but I found corner stems are brilliantly colourful anyway mm-hmm. so I've used the kind of green colix and a midwinter fire and, mm-hmm. and trimmed the stems and then made them into stars oh, they look a bit nice. pagany witchcrafty oh, <laughs> if you're not careful you've got to get them quite neat otherwise they start looking a little bit like yeah something out of uh, a horror film but yeah if you get it nice and neat and you get the right colours quite bright colours they do look quite festive so that's what I've done this year cool You can find links to more plant-based creative Christmas ideas on our programme page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. Online, you can also find details of some of the events that are being held this month in our RHS gardens, including our exciting programme of winter walks and illuminations for the festive season. It's a welcome taste of fresh air if you've been trapped in the house all over the festive period. Matthew Pottage is the curator of RHS Wisley in Surrey. I asked him about what's been catching his eye in the garden. Winter at Wisley is a really magical time because I think you appreciate the structure and the bare bones of a garden. It's a real test for any garden or landscape to look good in the winter time. And Wisley has such a beautiful collection of trees. Some of those are evergreen. We've got some really stately conifers and some beautiful layouts of both hard landscaping and lawn areas and some of the ponds and lakes. And you really kind of sense the atmosphere, the heart, the bones of a landscape. And I always think that's so beautiful in in the winter time and also some of the trees i mean some of them are more beautiful in the winter time so 
like the magnificent Parotia persica that's by the Jellico Canal, the Persian ironwood tree, multi-stemmed example, loads of crisscrossing horizontal branches. You don't appreciate any of the structure when it's in leaf in the summer. I don't think the leaves are that exciting in the summer. They are in the autumn. But in the wintertime, when you appreciate the branch structure, it's just a marvel. So I always think it's a lovely time to go around and uh, gawp at the trees. In the winter time, the winter walk is probably one of the major attractions, and that's the, the circular route between the food hall, the, the main cafe, and the glass house. And that takes you around the area known as Seven Acres, uh, around the lake and around the pond. And there is a lot of colour there. So big plantings of cornus and salix, you know, both willows and dogwoods for the winter stem colour. Lovely different barks of things like Asa Davidii. Uh, there's one called Viper, which is a really beautiful snake bark maple is featured. And then heavy on winter scent and winter flowers. So Iris reticulatas, hellebores, edgeworthias, shimonanthus, it's all there. And uh, it's a really beautiful thing to experience. So one plant that's new to us that we're trying on the winter walk this year is an Edgeworthier cultivar called Winter Love or Winter Lieb. And it is supposedly an improved cultivar with a larger flower and a more compact, denser branching habit. The plants we've got are full of promising bud and I'm looking forward to seeing us open and also seeing how they compare to Grandiflora which also has a very good large flower head which we have well represented on the winter walk so look out for that if you're coming to see the garden in probably late January they normally kick off with their flowering. Glow at Wisley runs until the 5th of January. On January 25th, the Wisley Glasshouse sees the launch of the Giant Houseplant Takeover. I am really excited about the Giant Houseplant Takeover in the Glasshouse. Matt Pottage has done some fantastically interesting things with houseplants in his own home. I'm really hoping we'll get a taste of that, but on a massive scale in the Glasshouse. It's going to be good. I asked him why he thinks houseplants are having such a resurgence in popularity. So houseplants are having this real boon again. They're really, really in vogue. And I think it's because not everyone has access to a garden. Not everyone has a lot of space to grow things, say, on their front doorstep, in their front yard. And in central London, you know, even that's a luxury. So sometimes you only have the indoors and your windowsills or a window box. And the other thing is, you know, if you want to be gardening or working with plants throughout the year, you know, that isn't always possible in a garden, not like it is with houseplants. So you can be tending to things throughout the year you really, really, I think, get value for money out of houseplants. You know, you're not in your garden as probably as much as you are in your house. So, you know, whatever's on the kitchen windowsill, you're looking at it a lot or you're seeing plants in your bedroom a lot. They really enhance your day-to-day living. Not only that, they are lovely to have around, you know, the aesthetic benefit of greenery and the calmness it brings. And there's almost a houseplant for every situation, you know, the shadiest flat or very sunny windowsill or someone that goes away a lot and tends to leave the heating off so the house gets freezing or someone that's too good at watering or someone that never remembers to water stuff. You know, there's nearly a houseplant for every situation or every keeper. So, you know, it's something that's so accessible and I think people are really grasping that. People are doing really fun, creative things. Again, just look on Instagram. There's just houseplants everywhere and uh, it's really inspirational. So we really wanted to share that and build on that at Wisley because 
While everything in the glasshouse is a house plant, they are tender plants under glass, the way we're growing them traditionally in the beds and borders isn't really what you would do at home. You know, you don't have open bed soil in the middle of your living room with a cheese plant growing 10 metres up a pole like we do in the glasshouse. So, you know, it is about bringing the scale back a little bit. And like I say, doing something a bit more off the wall than just a pot plant on a windowsill. Understanding your space and your light levels is a massive starting point. So, you know, knowing which direction your windows face. Uh, if you don't know that, you know, look at the compass on your phone. And if you've got a south or west facing windows, chances are you've got a sunny spot, you'll be able to work with things like cacti and succulents. If you're north or east facing, chances are you're going to be better with leafy plants, ferns, things that prefer lower light levels. And I think a real rule of thumb here, even if it feels sunny, usually your light levels are are quite low for what a plant wants. So, you know, if the room feels gloomy to you, it'll probably feel like a cave for your plant because succulents are so fashionable. You often see very etiolated succulents, which means they've been drawn up by the lack of light. They get tiny leaves, the stem goes elongated, they lose all sense of their shape and form. And that's very much, even though someone's got it on a windowsill, the light levels just aren't high enough. So know your light levels and then start with things that are quite forgiving. So so something like a clivia, for example, will take fairly low light, well, very low light levels, actually. If the heating's left off, it'll take cold, it'll almost take a bit of a frost. So something like that is very tolerant. If you give it too much water one week, it can cope. If it gets completely dry, again, it can cope. And then start building up from there. If you become more confident, try different ferns. Asplenium nidus, the bird's nest fern, is a really good forgiving fern. If it starts to dry out, the leaves just kind of wilt and go a bit see-through. When you water it, they go green again, they'll stand back up, if you will. If you choose something like a maidenhair fern, it goes crispy really quickly and then you lose all the leaves. So start with something that can rehydrate itself if you forget to water it. And then if you do have a really good sunny windowsill... Cacti and succulents are great. They're really easy. Some of the aloes are really good. The partridge breast aloe, aloe variegata, is a lovely thing and quite easy and straightforward. And I guess one of the most bomb-proof plants which can do both sun and shade is the mother-in-law's tongue, Sansevieria. There's actually quite a few different interesting forms of that around now with different variegations different leaf habits. Some are like little rosettes. Some have much taller, thicker, almost cylindrical leaves. And God, they're almost indestructible. They are from warmer climes. So probably the easiest way to kill that would be to leave it outside when there's a frost or something. So don't do that. You know, they are a really good basic one to start with. And uh, if you're killing a mother-in-law's tongue, it's almost quite an achievement. I think people should have houseplants just because of the the enjoyment and the benefit they can bring you. That the feeling of tending something, raising something, watching it grow, being part of your surroundings, air purifying qualities and the benefits of having greenery around you. And it just brings a sense of calmness. It's something that isn't instant. It's not something that needs you to look at a screen, enter a password, something that's demanding updates from you. It will just sit there and it's to be honest, they are easy to have something living in the house and then to watch the seasonality of it, if it's a plant that flowers, just the enjoyment that it will bring. The Giant Hasbart takeover in the glasshouse at Wisley runs from the 25th of January to the 1st of March.
And if, like many of us, you're mad about monsters or passionate about peace lilies, be sure to have a listen to the latest edition of our sister programme, The Garden Podcast, where we speak to one of the Glasshouse team who specialises in the weird and wonderful Aroid family. As Christmas is a great time to focus on goodwill and thoughtfulness, we're going to conclude today's podcast with a visit to an inspiring charity, Thrive. Thrive uses gardening to bring about positive changes in the lives of people living with disabilities or ill health who are isolated, disadvantaged or vulnerable. Our producer George visited their centre in Reading recently to meet some of those involved and to hear how Thrive's work is making a real difference to individuals, families and communities. My name's Catherine Rossiter, I'm Chief Executive of Thrive. Thrive is the Gardening for Health charity, so we were established over 40 years ago by a horticulturist who also worked with young people with learning difficulties. He found that when you took those young people out into the garden, he saw some quite amazing changes in their behaviours and their abilities and what they were able to achieve. And he wanted to explore that further and to set Thrive up as an organisation that would help other people understand how they can use gardening and horticulture in a therapeutic way with lots of different client groups. Basically what our staff do is work with an individual to understand what it is that individual wants to achieve, uh, but also to understand what limitations that person may have. They will then use the gardening context, use the garden itself, to help that person reach those goals. And those goals may not be garden related, but there is such a wide range of things that you can do in a garden and with gardening that we can adapt those in some way in order to help that person achieve a goal. So it may be a more social orientated goal for some of people who want to be able to build their confidence to sit and have a conversation like we're having. That can be quite difficult for somebody. So the therapist would work with that person in the garden setting and manage that social interaction, encouraging that person to have a conversation, encouraging them to interact with other people, to talk about what it is that they're doing other side maybe somebody with a physical disability and we'll look at how we can build a set of tasks that helps them work on say a particular strength or their mobility so they don't realize they're actually making progression a lot of the time so what we're saying is that the garden itself is a resource that can be used we can adapt the gardening tasks we can adapt the tools that we use to engage an individual in those gardening tasks to help them actually achieve a goal that they want to achieve It's very hands-on and there is a huge range of different tasks that can be done. Things that grow very quickly, things that take a longer time to grow. There's tasks to be done all year round. It's not just, we don't just garden in the summer. A lot of our clients at Reading really enjoy the leaf sweeping and creating compost, the sort of the more physical hard work that goes. So yes, there's, there's always something, there's always some job to be done in the garden and whatever somebody's particular interest, there's something that we can grow that engages them. My name is Jan Brody. I'm the Senior Horticultural Therapist here at Trunkwell Gardens in Reading for Thrive. So we're in the main gardens here with about three acres of gardens and they're all split up into these smaller example gardens. So it makes that three acres a bit more manageable and increases the horticultural diversity within the garden. Just over here to our left, we've got the potager garden. And this is a great garden for the adaptation of the garden to take away barriers so people can really get involved so they can do the gardening for themselves. So our apples and pear trees here are all kept about four foot high 
and that means our wheelchair users they can come along they can get involved in the harvest and they're much much more meaningful for them to take home a bag of apples or pears that they've picked themselves and you pass them on to their family than if somebody does that for them and then uh, it's got raised beds there so again we have lots of people who come here with mobility issues find it hard to get down at the ground we could perhaps give them an adapted tool so they could uh, say weed for example from standing but really we want them to get their hands in the soil so that the raised beds there lifted up to a height that's manageable for most people and also it's a double skinned brick bed there it means that if people lack the stamina they can sit down on that raised bed as well take a rest um, perhaps do five minute chunks of work and it means that they can stay with the group they don't have to return inside to have a rest and they can benefit from all these passive benefits just from being in the garden so right now we're currently enjoying this beautiful winter sun which is quite warm without the wind and there's there's all the birds around in the summer the insect life might just take your your interest just notice some of the other flowers that are around you so you don't actually have to work too hard to to get the benefits sometimes it's great just to be in the garden take somebody who's perhaps had a stroke and is struggling to regain strength in their hand in their grip so we may start with a very simple task it doesn't involve them having to do too much with that so that may be breaking up some compost or something which is just getting them using that hand breaking some of the lumps out and then we may move them onto as they gain some strength something that requires a bit more fine motor skills so that sort of pinch movement so that may be doing a bit of deadheading where they're actually then having to use their hand a little bit more and then you may move them on to doing some seed sowing where actually they're needing to use just a finger and a thumb to pick up a seed and put it in so different sorts of tasks are easier for someone to do depending on their level of, of ability and what the therapist will do will make sure that that person's engaging in the right sort of task on that improvement journey that the person's on. We know that when people are in a natural environment, they tend to feel calmer. That helps with them making improvements in their, in their lives. A lot of the skills that people are learning are very transferable. So that example of somebody with improving their grip, we're not just helping them improve their gardening processes, but hopefully when they get back home, they're more able to do jobs around the house because they're building up strength in, in that hand, maybe then being able to use scissors or secateurs, you know, those sorts of things. Almost on a daily basis, the therapists are saying, you know, so-and-so has done something today that they weren't able to do previously. For that individual, it has huge, great implications. Everything's meaningful, so when people are occupied here, it's, it's meaningful. It's not a task for the sake of doing it. You're nurturing something, you're bringing something on. One of our clients, she wanted to be able to tie laces. And that symbolised for her her constant dependency on her parents and others for caring. And so she learnt to do that through tying in runner beans onto their frames. Um, so quite a repetitive task, um, but she wasn't just untying her shoelace and tying the same shoelace again. Each tie had a, had a meaning to it. And so through doing that, she built up the dexterity, the confidence to tie the beans onto the, onto the poles, onto the support structure. And then she realised that could translate to her shoelaces. And just being able to tie her own laces when she comes in to thrive in the morning or any day, she doesn't have to keep asking other people to do it. So that's given her a much greater feeling of independence and empowered her to then to move forward in other areas of her life to be more independent. She articulated it beautifully. She said uh, what, what that's enabled her now is she can go into town and she can go to a shoe shop and she can choose any any of the shoes that she wants. She's not restricted to the Velcro anymore. Uh, so it was a real normalisation that took place through learning that skill in the garden.
Our thanks to all at Thrive in Reading. We'll be returning to Thrive in January to discuss gardening and sight loss. We'll explore how you can enrich the texture, scent and sound of your patch to create a multi-sensory garden. Plus, we'll hear simple practical tips and techniques to make doing the jobs in the garden you love easier if you're blind or have deteriorating sight. It's really inspirational for everybody. Don't miss it. Well, that's all for today. We'll be back in a fortnight with a look back at some of the highlights of 2019 on the RHS Gardening podcast. Until then, from me, Melissa Mabbitt, and all here in Peterborough, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.